When it comes to marriage, if you are sinned against or someone fails you, you only have two options. You either go toward bitterness or forgiveness. And I believe long before couples fall out of love, they fall out of forgiveness. When we choose bitterness and unforgiveness, um, we are literally carrying that around like a backpack on our back. And it is a huge burden. And, and if we don't release that to the Lord, then we just keep adding to that backpack and it will weigh us down. It will keep us from being able to walk straight and see clearly and think clearly and hear from the Lord clearly because we're so clouded by the weight that's on our back of unforgiveness and bitterness. When it starts to break people. Yeah. I mean, we know people that they have been betrayed and yeah. some horrible things have been done to them. But what they're doing is rather than handing it to Jesus who says, come to me all you are burdened, weary and heavy laden, my yoke is easy, my burden is light and I'll give you rest for your soul. They're like, I'll carry this. Mm -hmm. You're carrying something that is going to crush you. Yeah. And, and because Jesus loves you, he wants you to forgive them and, and, and he wants to carry that burden for you. Yeah. Hi friends, this is the Real Marriage Podcast with Mark and Grace Driscoll. Our story is not perfect, our marriage is not perfect, but thankfully our God is perfect. You brought up a story about a couple. Yeah, we knew a couple that um, had a really rocky marriage and she didn't feel tended to and he didn't feel tended to. Um, they were busy with their own things, but not connecting. And she got caught up in an emotional relationship with someone else and ended up uh, committing adultery. And she confessed and came to him with that. And of course he was upset. Um, there's no excuse for that, obviously. Um, they were not super, I think newer Christians at that yeah, time, possibly, yeah, possibly <clears throat> new Christians. And so it was a huge challenge in their marriage, obviously, because it is at any point in marriage. But um, he said, you know, well, I'll, I want to stay together. We'll figure it out. You know, I'll forgive you. Well, Lo and behold, a couple years down the line, he went and cheated on her, and his excuse was that she cheated on him, so now we're even. He literally said, she owed me. Yeah. Meaning she, she got to commit adultery, and so, you know, that means I get, a, I get, an, adult, I get an adultery coupon mm -hmm. at some point. I get to cash it in. Mm -hmm. And so he, he explained that for years, he, he was waiting for this certain kind of woman that was kind of his fantasy and once he got it lined up, he cashed in his proverbial coupon and he got his adultery and she was devastated. And he literally said, well, she owed me. Mm -hmm. And to him, it was, it was non-emotional. It was very transactional. Yeah. So what, what caused it? And we do this all the time in marriage. You owe me. I'm going to make you pay. I did this for you, so you got to do this I did, for me. I took out the garbage. You got to wash the car. You know, I mean, we, we have different variations of this scorekeeping mm -hmm. and balance, you know, leveling. Um, sometimes it's catastrophic. Sometimes it seems minor, but it is a, a keeping of record of wrongs and you owe me and now you, you got to pay me back and we need to get even. Mm -hmm. What causes that? Selfishness, sin, <laughs> unforgiveness. <laughs> Just, yeah. I mean, we, we have that mentality in our flesh. And so we constantly have to battle that to serve because serving is is freely serving, is freely giving ourselves like Christ did. Well, like we talked about in the previous episode, uh, Jesus prays, Father, forgive them for their sins. Father, forgive them for their debts. He uses sin and debt uh, synonymously. So for some people, if you sin against me, you owe me a debt. So then you got to pay me back. So then you, you owe me something. 
And people that live in these transactional relationships, especially marriage, it's always like, well, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to owe them. I don't want to be obligated to them. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, it's, it's really not a warm, friendly relationship. It's more of a business transactional relationship. Um, and, and, and really what we're talking about is forgiveness cancels the debt. Yeah. That Jesus canceled our debt, and then he calls us to cancel the debt of our spouse, that we don't make them pay. We assume that Jesus already paid for our spouse, that the debt is paid in full. And if you're a nerd in the New Testament, this is called ransom. You could just do a word study on ransom. That's literally what it means, that a debt was owed and paid by someone else to set someone free that didn't deserve it. And so when it when it comes to marriage, if you are sinned against or someone fails you, you only have two options. You either go toward bitterness or forgiveness. Mm -hmm. And I believe long before couples fall out of love, they fall out of forgiveness. That's right. Any couple of countries says, we fell out of love. Well, you fell out of love yesterday, but two years ago, you Mm -hmm. fell out of forgiveness. Which is what happened in the story we told. Exactly. There was no forgiveness, so eventually they fell out of love. Mm -hmm. So let me share this with you, uh, Hebrews 12. And then, honey, I'm going to have you do the things that forgiveness is, and I'll do the things that forgiveness is not. Because when we say forgiveness, sometimes people have a complete misunderstanding of what that is and is not. But Hebrews 12, 14 and 15, strive for peace with everyone. So again, our theme is forgiveness. And that uh, Satan causes conflict, division, disorder. God brings forgiveness, peace, and unity. Mm -hmm. Strive for peace with everyone. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God that no root of bitterness springs up, causes trouble. Let me just hit that real quick. Roots are unseen, but powerful and create um, create realities in, in the realm that we do see. So bitterness, um, like a plant, has roots. When I was a little boy, uh, I hated yard work because I've got bad allergies. Mm-hmm. Um, and lately it's been allergy season. So when I was a little boy, um, my dad said, Marky, because I was the oldest, you got to go pull all the weeds and mow the grass and you're in charge of the outdoors. Well, I hated it because as soon as I went outside to deal with the weeds in the yard, I sounded like the son of Darth Vader for the next week. I can't <laughs> breathe. I, I sound like an obscene phone call as a 10-year-old kid, like, <sighs> that's what I'm doing all week. And so I hated it. So I was trying to find what's the fastest way to get rid of the weeds. So as a kid, I, I found a weed whacker you know, in the, uh, in the garage. And I thought, well, this is easy. Rather than pulling the weeds, I'll just whack all the weeds and then they're gone. So I whacked all the weeds. Lo and behold, it did not remove the weeds. (laughs) (laughs) It multiplied the weeds. It multiplied the weeds. (laughs) It worked for a very short time, but ultimately it only multiplied the problem because I didn't pull up the the roots. And so my dad told me, he's like, Marky, you can't just weed whack. You got to go pull the weeds and you got to make sure you get the roots. Bitterness has roots. It gets literally down into the human soul. And just like a root, you can be bitter for a long time and nobody sees it because it hasn't popped above ground yet. Mm -hmm. Um, And so what he's talking about here is digging up the root of bitterness. And what we would say is the shovel that does that is forgiveness. That forgiveness is the shovel that digs up the root of bitterness and it says, and causes trouble and by it, many become defiled. So let's talk marriage context. If a husband or wife are bitter and unforgiving against one another, eventually that grows up to defile many. How does that affect the children and the atmosphere of the home? Oh, it's very critical, um, jabbing at each other. When you're bitter, you don't always recognize that you're constantly leaking. 
and you'll make a comment and then laugh, but it's actually bitterness underneath. And the longer you let that go, the more harsh your tone gets, your words get more biting, and it just becomes obvious to everyone, even if you don't see it. And it can come to the point where you're so bitter that you, you're not even mitigating against it. So there's a woman in the Old Testament, she comes to mind. Her name was Naomi. Uh, in the mm-hmm. book of Ruth, and her name literally in the Hebrew means sweet or pleasant. Life gets hard for her. She gets bitter against God and her deceased husband, who was a failed leader, and she changes her legal name. So she goes into the DMV and fills <laughs> out the paperwork and gets a new driver's license, and she changes her name from Naomi, which means sweet or pleasant, to Mara, which literally means bitter. Yeah. And then she says, because the Lord has made me very bitter. You can get bitter against God, Mm -hmm. even though he hasn't sinned against you. You can get bitter against your spouse, and they may or may not have sinned against you. But what she decides is, I'm not even going to fake it anymore. I'm not going (laughs) to pretend. I'm just a bitter person, and you're going to have to deal with me and work around me. Mm -hmm. Now, God is gracious, and by the end of the story, there's a happy ending. But what oftentimes happens is we excuse this with things like personality type. Mm. I'm a bitter critical, jaded, sort of jabbing, negative person, but that's my personality. I took the Taylor Johnson, the Myers-Briggs, and I came out as a J-E-R-K. That was just my (laughs) personality type. I'm a J-E-R-K. And what we can do is we can find ways to justify our bitterness with personality or what I call the terrible tale. And that is if you come to me and you say, man, you sound bitter. Well, let me tell you what they did. And now I pull out my excuse. I have my case Mm -hmm. that defends my bitterness by shifting the blame back to you. Mm -hmm. You did something wrong. Therefore, I have a right to be bitter rather than seeing this demonic plot that your sin against me was wrong. And now my unforgiveness of you is an additional sin that's equally wrong. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, honey, we had a conversation with a couple recently and they had just left a couple's house that they went to enjoy the company of, but the environment of the home was such that they couldn't even stand to be there. Yeah, the husband was constantly attacked by the wife's words and she would pick at him over the smallest things. Um, And he just didn't even want to be in the home anymore. He wanted to be in the corner of the roof because she just, even though it wasn't necessarily bitterness specifically against him, all the bitterness, yeah, all the bitterness in her life culminated. And because he was constantly with her, he was, you know, reaping the wrath of her bitterness. It was, yeah, it was a horrible situation. Very sad. Well, and our friends who went to stay with this couple that they're friends with, they said, we, we left early because we couldn't be there any longer. Yeah. It's just such an awkward, uncomfortable. And then those people that are bitter that make the jaded comments are like, oh, it's not so bad. Or we're just having fun. Or, you know, this, you know that's just how we interact. And it's mm-hmm. like, no, it's, it's, a, it's a toxic environment yeah. to be in. And do you remember what the husband said as they were getting into the car and driving away? Can I go with you? He literally said, can I get in the trunk? (laughs) He wanted to climb in the trunk to sneak out of the house to leave his wife without her seeing and able to follow him. (laughs) (laughs) Not good. Yeah. And so, you know, most of us don't intend to get there, um, but that's where bitterness goes. And and it grows fast, faster than we realize. So it's good to dig it up. Dig up the root of bitterness that not many will become defiled by. It gets everybody involved, family, friends, kids. And then this next line is shocking to me. And it's, it's telling for marriage that no one is sexually immoral or unholy. What he's saying is that adultery, that can be mental, physical, spiritual, emotional adultery, 
is the result of bitterness. Mm -hmm. How does bitterness lead to infidelity in a marriage? Well, it's, again, you justify that someone hurt you, and so I get to go do what I want. And sexual sin is the common thing to go to first. You didn't give me what I want or need, therefore you owe me. Uh, therefore, I have a right because of my bitterness to go into sexual sin of some sort or kind. Mm -hmm. And he makes this amazing connection. So what he's saying is the problem is not adultery. The problem is not lust. The problem is bitterness. Mm -hmm. Sometimes against God, why did you give me this person? And or the person, you're not you're not giving me what I think I want or need. Mm -hmm. And that leads to a sense of being owed and entitled. If I'm not getting what I want or need, then I have a right to go get what I want or need. And that leads to sexual sin. Yeah. So let's talk real quickly then. If the shovel that digs up the root of bitterness is forgiveness, why don't you walk through what forgiveness is and I'll walk through what forgiveness isn't. Yeah, I think understanding what forgiveness is keeps us from the trap of unforgiveness that the enemy wants us to fall into. So some of the things that forgiveness is, um, it's the opposite of vengeance. So it's you pay versus Jesus pays the debt. And so forgiveness is Jesus already paid the debt. We get to receive the gift of forgiveness and, like you said, extend that to others. Another thing that forgiveness is, it's shifting your focus from the one who hurt you so maybe someone caused harm to you or, or did something hurtful to you, shifting the focus from them to the one who can heal you, who's Christ. He's the only one that can heal us. If you're bitter against someone, they become the center of your life. Absolutely. Your universe centers around them and you're, what they did to you and your hurt. You're thinking about them. This is where you're stalking them on social media. If life goes good for them, you're really upset. If life goes bad for them, you've got a, a real sick joy in your soul. Mm -hmm. Like I'm, I'm glad to see they finally got it. Yeah. That's, that's where there's a problem in the soul. Another thing that forgiveness is, it's both a one-time event and an ongoing process. So when Jesus is asked the question, how many times do we have to forgive? He responds 70 times seven. Sometimes we have a deep betrayal or a hurt or maybe abuse or something in our life where it was a tragic event. And so we have to forgive. Maybe one time, we it culminates in this one time where we're realizing where that pain is and the root of that pain, and we have to make a decision with the Lord to forgive that person for harming us. But then maybe we're triggered down the line here and there, um, and we have to keep forgiving. There's definitely stories in my life of betrayal, deep betrayal, where I have had to forgive in a moment and say, Lord, I don't want to walk in unforgiveness. And I think it's gone, but then it reoccurs and I have to continually forgive that person or those people um, because it hurts so deeply. And oftentimes it's because that person is in proximity to you where they're close, closely in relationship with you. And so the hurt goes deeper. And sometimes, honey, not to interrupt you, but that can be extended family mm -hmm. and or friends because oftentimes bitterness is not triggered by the size of the offense, but your love for the offender. Mm -hmm. Meaning a total stranger could break into your house and burn it down and 20 years later, you're not in therapy talking about it because it wasn't right. personal, you didn't know them. Mom, dad, brother, sister, close family friend or relative can do something that is in comparison less catastrophic, but it's far more damaging because you love them and you trusted them. That's right. And that means that the two people we're most likely to struggle with bitterness toward is God and our spouse. Mm -hmm. 
Another thing that forgiveness is, it's the passing the case to a higher court. It's basically giving up your control of the situation and the outcome of the situation to God's higher court. He's perfectly just and loving at the same time, and He's the only one that can truly deal with the situation. And I think that's a hard one for me because I'm a justice person. Your name is Grace, but you got a lot of Old Testament. <laughs> and so that one for me can be super challenging. And Explain I have to that. You're a truth that. justice girl, mm-hmm. right? I mean, is that accurate? Mm-hmm. Yeah. When I'm lied to or betrayed, it's, <laughs> it's yeah. not a pretty picture. <laughs> no, no. If I do that, I'm sleeping with one eye open, a helmet on, a cup. I got I to gotta stay but on guard. But that's not my job to seek vengeance. It's my job to forgive and learn from it, not so that I'm oblivious and just move on like, oh, no big deal, but no, pass it on to the Lord. He will, he sees everything. He will deal with people. And I have seen that as well (laughs) in situations where I've been betrayed and I don't pray that that person is harmed, but I've passed it on to the Lord knowing that he will do what is just in the scenario. And he does, he absolutely is faithful in that. And sometimes that means that the justice came at the cross. They right. they come to Jesus, they come to repentance, That's they right. come to receive the gift of forgiveness that we receive. And sometimes they don't, and they stand before Jesus for the final judgment and their eternal sentence to hell. Yeah. So justice comes either at the cross or at the white throne judgment. That's right. One way or another, Jesus gets the justice. And, and part of it is faith saying, if I don't try this case and render a verdict and control the outcome, I trust Jesus to be the judge. Yeah, it definitely tests our faith. And do we believe God is in control? And do we believe he loves us? Handing that over is essential part of the process. Forgiveness is also taking the burden you cannot carry and handing it to Jesus to carry. When we choose bitterness and unforgiveness, um, we are literally carrying that around like a backpack on our back. And it is a huge burden. And, And if we don't release that to the Lord then we just keep adding to that backpack and it will weigh us down. It will keep us from being able to walk straight and see clearly and think clearly and hear from the Lord clearly because we're so clouded by the weight that's on our back of unforgiveness and bitterness. When it starts to break people. Yeah. I mean, we know people that they have been betrayed and some horrible things have been done to them. But what they're doing is rather than handing it to Jesus who says, come to me all you are burdened, weary and heavy laden. My yoke is easy, my burden is light and I'll give you rest for your soul. They're like, I'll carry this. Mm -hmm. You're carrying something that is going to crush you. And and because Jesus loves you, he wants you to forgive them and and he wants to carry that burden for you. Yeah. Another thing that forgiveness is, the story that you like to tell is um, boxing it up and putting it out of sight. So forgiveness is when there's an issue in our life and we allow it to be in the center of our life, then we're not forgiving. We're we're letting our whole life revolve around it versus forgiving and maybe putting it in a box in the attic so that it's not controlling everything we do and every decision we make. And so that's kind of an illustration that you've used before where the scenario doesn't need to sit on our kitchen island. If we've forgiven, we're able to put it in a box, put it in the corner of an attic, know that we've learned from it. It may trigger at different times and we need to forgive again and that's okay, but we don't need to keep it in the center of our life, the center of where we do life. And where I got that was pretty horrifying. I, um, and I forget, I was in a couple's house. I think it was on their coffee table, center of the living room. There was a photo of the husband and a wife and then her friend. And I thought, that's weird to have a photo of the husband and the wife and her friend in the center of the home where the mm-hmm. family gathers. 
I said, who's that? And she said, well, that's my friend that he cheated on me with. And she literally put the photo of the three of them in the living room on the coffee table. Brutal. As the center of the marriage and home, rather than saying that was catastrophic, but I'm going to put that in a box and put that in the attic and we'll put maybe Jesus in the center of our home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whew. And then the last one um, that we talk about what forgiveness is, it's making but not keeping a record of wrongs. And so we we do need to deal with situations that come. We don't need to just flush them or push them down and not acknowledge them. We need to process them and work through the forgiveness process, but we don't need to keep that record of wrongs. And so if someone has sinned against you, one of the things that I've done that's been really healing for me is writing processing letters. A lot of times people do this on the internet. (laughs) Yeah, an open letter on the internet is just bitterness. And anybody who starts with, you know, um, you know, not to be negative or bitter, what they mean is I'm very negative and it's going to get really bitter. Anytime it's public, it's bitter. Yeah, venting is, wow, it's not healthy. So a processing letter you never send. It's specifically between you and the Lord. And if you you know, have someone you trust that you want to work that through with, that's fine too. But for me, I have several of these, unfortunately, but they were really helpful for me, for people that um, cause deep hurt in my life. So I just write out all the things that, like we talked about, I was carrying these burdens. So I wrote out all these things on paper to unload my burdens onto the page. You can do it on your computer as well. And I wrote everything out, all my feelings, anger, sadness, confusion, whatever it included. I was just very honest, very raw in the letter. And then at the end of the letter, I close it by saying, dear Lord, please take these burdens. I forgive this person by the power of your Holy Spirit, and I do not want to carry this around anymore. And I pray through it. I cry through it if I have to. Um, And then I just completely symbolically and emotionally give that over to the Lord. And again, that's a one-time thing. And sometimes I have to come back and and re-forgive. But as it actually, with some people that were deep hurts, it actually physically felt like there was a weight lifted when I did these letters. It was very helpful and very healing for me. Well, and in the scriptures, the Psalms has a lot of this. Absolutely. And then there are certain portions of the Bible, like in Nehemiah or Jeremiah, where there's journal entries mm-hmm. that people are modeling something similar. They're emotionally processing with yeah. the Lord some deep pain. And, and, and when it says in Corinthians that love doesn't keep a record of wrong, what a processing letter is, it's making a record of wrong. And then forgiving it without Mm -hmm. keeping it. In the same way, if somebody came to you and said, I'm going to pay off all your debt, you would need to total up your debt to give them a number. Mm -hmm. Um, If you're going to forgive somebody of their total debt to you, you're totaling it up and then you're forgiving it and not making them pay. Yeah. So for you, do you think you could be emotionally healthy today if you didn't have some sort of process like that where you need to literally have the funeral in the soul and then heal up and move forward? No, I I would have brought all that along with me and we wouldn't be planning this, you know, a church, we wouldn't be doing ministry, we wouldn't be happily married. I mean, nothing would be right if I hadn't have, if God hadn't have given me that opportunity to unburden those things and forgive. I'll hit real quickly in closing uh, some things that forgiveness is not. It's not minimizing or globalizing. Minimizing is, oh, no big deal. Nothing happened. I forgot about it. No, it was a big deal. Jesus died for it. So it was a big deal. Globalizing is where you take one bit of information and you turn it into apocalyptic. 
well, you know, you said you were gonna be home at five and you get home till 5.30 and that breaks trust with me. And how can we stay married? You know, if I can't trust you and if I can't trust you and we get divorced, then what happens to our kids and what happens to our legacy? And he was like, oh my gosh, I was 30 minutes late. Yeah. (laughs) You know, this turned into the book of Revelation very quickly. (laughs) You know, it was just 30 minutes late. And that's what some people do. Some people minimize, some people globalize. Uh, It's not covering a crime. So let me ask you this, babe. Somebody sexually assaults somebody. Can you forgive them and still call the cops? Yes, you need to call the cops. It's illegal. It's a crime. So there's a difference between a personal forgiveness and a, and a legal forgiveness. And so we've seen this a lot because Grace has been brave with her story. Where we've even seen women who were assaulted or abused by a dad or a grandpa. Dad and grandpa never really repents, gets help. They, the woman grows up, gets married, has kids, and uh, says, you know, well, I still let dad or grandpa babysit my kids. Mm-mm. Why? Why well, forgave him? Oh, no, 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 no. Mm-mm. Forgiveness is free. Trust Trust is earned. earned. Mm -hmm. Forgiveness is free. Trust is earned. Forgiveness can come in a moment. Trust comes over time. And especially with your kids, like, I'm not going to, if you hurt me, I'm not going to hand you my kids. Right. I'm going to call the cops to protect other people from becoming victims. And that's not bitterness. That's love for those who are harmed. Mm -hmm. It's a different motivation. That's right. Uh, it's not based upon their apology or repentance. One of the greatest lies in what I'll call biblical or neuthetic counseling, I'll just get into a little trouble here for the gospel, is they would say in some of the books that I've read on this, and I did a full deep dive year-long study of forgiveness, you can't forgive somebody until they repent. Hmm. And literally some of the case studies that I saw in some of the textbooks was, so if your dad you know, abused you and died and never apologized, you can't forgive him because he... He's not alive to repent. Or if somebody raped you at a party in college and you don't know who it was, you can't forgive them because you don't know who it was. Mm. And what that means is that literally you're sentencing people to a lifetime of torment. Yeah. Uh, and it is until you repent, I can't forgive you. Well, the problem with that becomes some people never repent. Uh, sometimes people just frankly disagree and they're like, I don't think that's what I did. I disagree. And then sometimes what does repentance look like? And so then if you put yourself in the Jesus seat of judgment, I, you need to repent. You need to agree with me. I need to see the signs of repentance. I need you to prove to me. It's like, okay, you just made yourself Jesus. Mm-hmm. Well, and there's nothing Christ-like about it because Jesus forgave us past, present, and future sins already. Yeah, And we haven't even repented of our sins for the future, and he's already forgiven us. I know for a fact there's things that Jesus died for that I'm not even aware of. Exactly. I've done so much, I lose track. Um, it's also not completely forgetting. Some people will say, God remembers our sins no more. They'll quote Jeremiah 31, 34. God literally cannot forget anything because he's all-knowing. That's right. So it's not like God's like, who is Mary again? I forget. He's, not, <laughs> he's not like an old guy no. you know, who's losing <laughs> his memory. He's <laughs> omniscient. But what it means is he chooses not to keep it in the forefront of his mind. Yep. And one of the ways that you know that you've kept it in the forefront of your mind, I just thought of this, maybe it's the Holy Spirit. We nickname the people we love and hate the most. Mm -hmm. If you no longer refer to a person by their name, but by some pejorative or negative nickname, (laughs) you have not forgiven them and you're keeping that on the forefront of your mind. In addition, it doesn't have to be public. Sometimes you can forgive someone and they don't even need to know about it. I'll give you a I guess it's crazy example day. There was two couples years ago, young couples, and uh, they did life and business together. Come to find that the one husband had an infatuation with the other wife. Nothing emotional happened, nothing sexual happened, nothing physical happened. But eventually the husband who had this really unhealthy 
obsession with the other wife, told the husband, I just needed to apologize and repent to you for our whole friendship. I've just been really infatuated with your wife and I have a lot of sexual fantasies around her. Mm. You know what? Yikes. That's good for your inside voice, not your outside voice. Yeah, you need to work that through with the Lord and a counselor. Yeah, but that they didn't need to know that mm-hmm. uh, because that they didn't do anything. Yeah. And now it just makes it so incredibly awkward. And so sometimes, um, sometimes we do need to tell someone that we've forgiven them. Sometimes we don't. The Lord just needs to know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, lastly, it's not God's forgiveness. Yeah. You can forgive someone and God could send them to hell. And so just because you're letting them off the proverbial hook doesn't mean that they're eternally off the hook. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, for you um, who are listening, and thank you for the honor of allowing us to come into your life, um, knowing what forgiveness is and isn't means you can take that gift that the Lord gives and share it with someone else, but not allow the enemy to confuse you in what that gift is and what that gift does. Mm -hmm. So I'll close with this. You could be perfectly honest, honey, and We'll finish up this concept of forgiveness and spiritual warfare in the next episode. If we did not forgive each other, would we be married? Nope. Nope. So there's no such thing as marriage or relationship apart from forgiveness. Correct. Okay. And so we would just encourage you as a couple, figure out who, what you need to forgive and allow that healing and unburdening to come into your relationship and enjoy the gift that Jesus has given you, and then feel free to share it lavishly with others. Honey, this is probably a really personal, maybe painful issue for some. Could you just pray for the Holy Spirit to bring to mind whomever or whatever those who are listening need to forgive? Mm. Dear Lord, thank you for the gift of forgiveness. Thank you that you lived that perfectly and you gave that gift to us so that we could share that with others. I pray that whoever's listening, Lord, would be Um, convicted um, from your kindness of where they need to forgive, who they need to forgive, what areas of bondage are in their life that need to be released, Lord. And this isn't about causing others to forgive in our life. This is about us. We need to take that step personally and ask you, Lord, where do I need to forgive in my life that's keeping me from the freedom of living in love and forgiveness with you, Jesus. So Lord, lead these people, lead them to get on their knees and seek your face in Jesus' name, amen. We wanna share a huge thanks to you for listening to today's podcast. For more information on this podcast, visit exomarriage.com slash real marriage. We'd also love for you to leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts that lets others know what to expect when they tune in to Real Marriage with Mark and Grace Driscoll. Until next week, God bless, and it's all about Jesus.